Welcome, everybody. I'm Mark Peter Davis, Managing Partner of Interplay. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs advance society, and this podcast is definitively part of that effort. All right, we're going to jump into today's podcast. Uh, we're doing our standard partner meeting, having great conversations. We cover a bunch of stuff today. Uh, big threads include inflation slowing down, what that means to the markets and the tech world. Meta's layoffs, is that the beginning of a forest fire of layoffs coming? FTX's implosion and its impact on crypto. And Fong riffs about how to start a marketplace and build a great business. I hope you enjoy. Mikey. All right. It's been a momentous week. Uh, coming off the back of the Twitter round of layoffs, we now had uh, the Facebook layoffs hit. What's happening? Why are, why are the companies kind of pulling the, the bandit off on this right now? What does it mean? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think we need to take a step back and think about what's been happening in technology for the last really 10 years, maybe 15 years. If you look at companies like Google, like I don't think they've actually ever had a down quarter of revenue year over year. So what does that mean? When a company grows that fast, what do they have to do? They have to hire people for the anticipated future growth of the business. And because tech companies, especially venture-backed businesses, are growing at 100, 200, 300% a year, which if you look at that versus a normal business, let's say a bank or something like that, that's growing at maybe 10 or 15% or 20% a year, how many more people does the tech company need to hire to support the future growth of two, three hundred percent versus a you know more steady state institution that might be growing at five, 10, 15, 20 percent a year. It's a lot. So when the when the when shit hits the fan, like it is right now, and growth is slowing, which was is the intention of the Fed, right? They want to slow growth to slow inflation. Uh, and the, the higher growth industries are going to feel that on a percentage basis much more. So tech companies that have been hiring for 300% growth now need to say, cool, what happens if we don't grow next year? And that car is moving a lot faster and it's going to hurt a lot more when you hit the wall. So the layoffs we're seeing in tech makes sense to me because these businesses that were were hiring for high growth are no longer going to experience that high growth. And when I think there's a a lot of pandemonium in the news right now about how all things are so bad in tech world. These businesses are still doing good. Facebook's still doing great. Twitter's a little bit of a different situation with Elon Musk takeover. But the high level is some of these big tech companies, just because they're laying off, doesn't mean the businesses are necessarily in bad shape. It just means they don't think they're going to grow as fast next year. And you know what? That's okay. Does this mean now that we're seeing, you know, I think the Twitter situation is a little different. Obviously, there's a whole unique situation with that. Facebook comes behind and says, hey, They've been aggressively investing in growth, really around the metaverse. They slice a big chunk of their of their com- of their workforce out. Is this the beginning of a pattern? And one of the reasons I ask that is it's not just there's a market trend of things happening, but there's also a social trend. Like there's a cultural thing. If you're a CEO of a, another tech company and you're thinking you might have to do layoffs, you know when you do it, it's right after Facebook does it and Twitter does it. Yeah, because you don't look Call like the cover. Yeah, it's cover. You don't look like the executive who's just shit in the bed, right? While everyone else uh, is growing and thriving. It it becomes yeah. part of a macro trend. You're doing the responsible, normal thing in the market and you just look like you're managing. So are, totally. maybe are there pent up layoffs coming? What, what does this mean for the rest of the industry? 
Oh yeah. I'd say across the board, we're seeing companies lay people off. And I, and I agree with you that a big piece of that is not that they necessarily need to, although let's touch on that a little bit. I think the other big trend here that we're seeing is really just an investor sentiment shift. So I'd say from 2010, call it, uh, coming out of the great financial crisis to today with interest rates at zero, capital was extremely cheap and easy to find and cash in the bank was worthless, right? It was literally interest inflation of 2% was above interest rate of was above the risk free rate. So having cash was worthless. So you had to put it somewhere in order to get a return. What that led to was a lot of people putting money into things like technology. And then eventually at the bottom of the risk or the top of the risk stack was crypto. So we won't touch on crypto. We're going to stay on jobs here for a second. But what it enabled was a lot of people and, and startup founders to continue to raise more and more capital on growth, 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 growth. And we called it, and everyone's heard this term before, but growth at all costs. So the only metric that investors cared about in the market was revenue growth, not unit economics, not profit, nothing like that. So as people had to drive higher and higher revenue growth, they needed more people to do that. And now we are shifting investor mentalities with interest rates at 5% and cash being much more valuable as you can go buy a T-bill right now and make 5% on it. So what happens? Investors say, no, 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 we don't want you to grow at 500% a year. We'd rather you grow at 50% of a year and make money because that cash is valuable to me as an asset now. And that shift changes one big operating cost that is the biggest operating cost for any business in the market. It is people, right? So what do they do? They're going to have to fire people, lay people off, whatever words you want to use. And that will increase the net operating income for these businesses and create more cash, but it will slow growth. It's a trade-off. But investors don't want to see growth at all costs anymore. Because of that, we're going to see more layoffs. But we're, we're also living on the front lines of this. I mean, a lot of people are reading these headlines, you know, on their newsfeed. Um, you know, at Interplay, Fundstat, we had 2,000 people apply for a job in October. And that is up from our norm. We always have pretty, a lot of people interested in roles, but it was 2,000 people. Uh, I think that is a signal for the labor force shift that is happening right now. Hundred percent. Are you are you seeing this on the front lines? How does it you know companies you're talking to? Are you seeing it more on the, the local micro level? Layoffs are coming. Yeah, things I'm, are happening. I'm getting a lot of the uh, hey, we did a riff. Here's our top three or four people that we laid off that we think are really good, but we just don't have a seat for them anymore. And then I'll take those people and I'll try to find homes for them in other portfolio companies that be hiring. Except again, back to like sent, you know, you know human sentiment here. People are like, well, if they're really the best, why they get let go? So I think like, like in any market, you know, the way people are thinking and feeling is really important to overall economic activity. As much as we want to believe that it's, you know, it, it's anything more than just how we feel as a group of people, um, that's a big piece of it right now. So as we, as we all feel like the market's getting worse, as we hear these scary economic terms and we, we, we read the news and it tells us of impending doom, People get more conservative by nature, and thus it is harder to hire, fill roles, and grow the economic activity. I think we will need to see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel before that machine will start pushing in the other direction. So yeah, there's people floating around, and by the way, a lot of them are really talented, and you know I think the good ones will find their own. Yeah, I want to I want to put not a market but an operational comment. 
I don't care if, if people get fired. I, I used to think that was a stigmatized thing uh, when I was younger. I, I really believe hardworking, passionate, organized people are going to be successful. And it's just about finding alignment, the right role for the person. And there's probably a lot of people who are, they landed in an okay role for them that maybe they're not passionate about it. Maybe it's not their superpower. Uh, so the, the hope is for folks who are being fired, uh, who, you know, are passionate or willing, you know, willing to lean in there, there is a, a psychological thing. Like if you're, if you're looking to be lazy, it's not going to work out no matter what role you're in. But if you're looking yeah. to build something and kick ass, um, I hope people find better alignment in roles where they're thriving more and they're happy and successful. I'm 100% in line with you. And I think like as a public service announcement, come to Interplay. We'll help you find a home, whether it's here at a portfolio company. We're, we're actually doing quite a bit of this right now. 100%. Awesome, Mike. Thank you. All right, Chris, what is happening in the world? Hello, Mark. Um, it's actually been a really calm week. Uh, of course, there, you know, a lot of the focus of the market is on crypto, and I'm sure Brad will talk about it. But in macro markets, it's been calm um, for the past three or four days up until the CPI data that was released yesterday, Thursday, November 10th. The headline CPI rose 0.4% month, month on month versus 0.6% expected. Um, and year on year, that's basically 7.7% versus 7.9%. Uh, obviously, a good data point. Uh, what's more important is a, is, a, is a core CPI, X food and energy. That rose 6.28% year on year versus 6.5%, uh, which is ex especially positive compared to the 6.6% rise in core um, in the month of September, which was a 40 year high. But all of this is that the headline of all yeah. these numbers is, is inflation is slowing. At least we have one data right. point now suggesting it. Yes. But we're still very far away from the long run average, uh, or which is around 3.6%. And even further from the Fed's target around 2%. So we've got a long, long way to go, but this is certainly a, a, a step in the right direction. Um, how has the market react to that? Well, on the back of CPI data, peak interest rates in the futures market are now slightly below 5%. So that's versus a week ago, which is standing at 5.2%. That translated into the equity market, um, which, which uh, turned out to be a 5% intraday rally the biggest in basically two, more than two years. 90% of the stock in the benchmark index were in the green. Um, that brings the year-to-date uh, return on the S&P index to be about negative 17.5%. Still a long way to come back, um, but we're at least one step in the right direction. Okay. So, you know, one of our most avid listeners, aka my wife, <laughs> came to me and said, hey, uh, I was listening to last week's episode and Chris has changed his tune. Yeah. You know, he's got a new level of positivity in the market. Where the hell did that come from? And that comment was happening in the backdrop of some major layoff announcements. So we're hearing a narrative that market's improving, but it seems like the sky is falling uh, for the in the labor market and people with, you know, real world real lives. How do, how do the numbers on the screen reconcile with reality? Hi, Laurie. Great catch. Um, to answer your question, basically, 
let's let me unpack into in two different ways one is you've got to look at more short-term medium-term long-term i think last week uh, the part i probably didn't explain too well is that i think in the shorter term uncertainties have dissipated and there's a way there's a path to um higher in stocks that wasn't very clear uh, to everybody before in the medium term long term We've yet to see we've yet to see a lot of earning adjustments that were expected in Q3. So let's see what happens in Q4 earnings. That could trigger sort of the next reversion to to the bottom, and and potentially, you know, in terms of concrete numbers, we're looking at S and P maybe back to 3,500. So, in terms of labor market, you're completely right. We're obviously you know the, the mainstream media is capturing all these sort of potential layoffs in especially across tech companies. Uh, but if you look at really the the you know macro uh, across all the companies out there, labor market is still very very strong. We're not seeing uh, unemployment pick, picking up at a rate that's unexpected. We're not seeing uh, jobless claims going going through the roof. You know, none of that stuff. All that stuff is still very much uh, healthy. So I, I would suggest that you know we 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 when we look at the economy and we look at trying to forecast earnings six months down, nine months down the road, we look at across, sort of across the board, not just on Twitter, on Facebook, on, on, on a few select companies. That's not to say that I personally don't expect unemployment to take up. I think that's, that's to come, but this, the pace of which unemployment goes higher, I think currently there's a way, there's reason for, for us to expect that to be very much contained. So we won't see, you know, a, all of a sudden uh, uh, a knee-jerk reaction to 10, 20% unemployment in, in, in a country sort of back to the days of the Great Depression or, or 2008. As long as we get there sort of in a more slow, expected fashion, I think there's a way we can avoid uh, a lot of pain in market. I've been having a lot of journalist conversations lately. I was on in an article in Insider this week. and the conversation, the theme that a lot of journalists are curious about is, is the tech, are the tech layoffs a bellwether for broader sweeping layoffs across the economy? Yeah. Right. We're all know, we all know about the meta layoffs. I'd argue there's a heck of a lot of idiosyncratic, meaning company specific things happening at that yeah. company. Yeah. Uh, but we're also seeing it in other places. Are we entering a phase with these higher interest rates? And yeah. whatnot, where you know we're going to hear everyone jumping on the layoff bandwagon. Uh, management teams are going to be less reluctant to do it because there's already a lot of other news out there, which gives them some shelter. Right? Are we going to hear layoffs of Coke, Coca-Cola, and everywhere else, every other mainstream company coming? Yeah, great question. So I, I agree with that. I think tech uh, has historically been a leading indicator in in many different sort of macro events, and, and layoff and unemployment is certainly one of them. And the reason is sort of fairly straightforward. Um, these tech companies are, even though they're, you know, a big chunk of S&P, they're still more growth oriented. A lot of their valuations are contingent on sort of hyper growth uh, going forward. And as as a result, you know, if you're familiar with sort of the valuation models, you're you're they're more sensitive to interest rate rise. So as you go high, as interest goes higher, their margins get compressed, their valuation goes down. The one way to sort of salvage the situation is to sort of cut costs, so uh, you know layoffs and, and and restructuring of the company. Um, that will also translate into, for instance, retail, 
and and banks, um, so other sectors that are more sensitive have thinner margins or more sensitive to interest rates. Um, so yes, we I, I think the expectation should be that we will eventually see a more broad-based um, uh, layoff, but hopefully it won't be in the fashion that we saw in 2008 or, or the Great Depression. Great. All right, Chris. Thanks for the update, buddy. Of course, short and sweet. See you next week. Okay. And just a reminder for everybody, Chris is an SEC registered RAA. Nothing he said should be considered uh, financial advice, blah, 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 blah. All right, Brett, big week. Let's talk blockchain. Uh, So this week was probably the worst week uh, the industry has uh, has had to date over the past uh, 10 years, arguably. Uh, so a little bit of context. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, he's the CEO of FTX, which uh, which is a, a centralized exchange. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are more familiar with Coinbase. Uh, they're one of their competitors. Um, he's been sort of the poster child of the industry. He's uh, They ran a very lean, small shop, but they managed a tremendous amount of money. He was a billionaire. I think he was worth about $16 billion. Um, He also had a hedge fund called Alameda Research. His background is in high-frequency trading. Uh, Some of the allure, too, was he practices uh, effective altruism. So, uh, you know, he planned on giving away all of this wealth that he he had accumulated and ironically i guess in the end he sort of did um but so to set the, set the stage a little bit there um also uh, i should also mention uh just to put in context again the terra collapse uh earlier <clears throat> this year uh which broke the bank for uh, a lot of hedge funds and asset managers uh just keep that in the back of your mind as i'm as i'm going through this so Last week, uh, a report came out about Alameda Research, again, uh, SBF's uh, hedge fund that he started, uh, that they had a tremendous amount of of liabilities relative to their assets. Um, Caroline, the CEO of Alameda, came out and sort of tried to reassure everybody that everything was fine. SBF did uh, the same. Uh, But it wasn't until uh, Binance CEO, CZ, uh, as he's known on Twitter, that's uh, his initials, um, began selling his FTT tokens, uh, which were the tokens created by FTX, um, after, quote, certain revelations uh, were were made. Um, so the token began plummeting. People began making withdrawals. FTX had to start uh, pausing withdrawals. So essentially, uh, it's not exactly a bank run, but it was similar to a bank run where people were trying to get their deposits out very, very quickly. Um, and before you knew it, um, Binance was looking to purchase or acquire FTX, um, which was a little crazy to fathom, uh, considering how big FTX is and how much money they had and how much uh, reach they had in the ecosystem. Uh, but shortly after, they said, they were no longer going to do it because things were worse than they had thought <clears throat> and they couldn't reconcile uh, a lot of the things that were going on internally. So um, the exact numbers of uh, Alameda and and uh, FTX's ties are still 
coming out, uh, still leaking out a little bit. But essentially what happened was, um, or, or supposedly what happened is Alameda, when uh, when Terra Luna earlier this year collapsed, also blew up. Um, apparently they were overlevered as well. So what SBF did was he tried to plug the hole um, and give them FTT tokens that they can then use as, as collateral uh, to you know, uh, continue to invest, um, and, and hopefully make people's money back. Um, mind you, FTT is a token that FTX creates basically out of thin air, right? You know, it's not, it's not like they plugged the hole with uh, a whole bunch of us dollars. It was, um, you know, basically this token, that's the, the utility is to get uh, a reduction in fee trading fees on FTX. And I think you, there's a burning mechanism. So the fees that get taken in uh, from FTX or a portion of them uh, are used to burn the FTT token. Nevertheless, it's still uh, under the purview of, of FTX and it's still something they, they created from, from thin air. Um, so shortly, uh, uh, not too long ago, uh, FTX filed for bankruptcy for Chapter 11. So did Alameda Research. Um, and we're still starting to see uh, a lot of ripples around the, across the industry about who who had deposits there um, because there, there's still uncertainty uh, about who can get their, their money out. Um, also, a lot of people uh, made an investment or direct equity investment into FTX. People are marking those to zero. We saw Sequoia. Uh, market to zero, um, and uh, Sam appear SBF uh, appears to be trying to do what's best for the customers and trying to make them whole uh, before any investors uh, or anything like that. So hopefully he delivers on that promise uh, because it would be a real uh, a real dent in the industry's credibility because SBF was quite actively involved in Congress. Um, for good, for better, or for worse. Uh, so, what people are worried about is that SBF, who they believed uh, was a more reasonable player in the space, rightly or wrongly, um, is clearly somebody that cannot be trusted. So, you know, it, it puts a big stain on the industry, and and hopefully, uh, you know, people can step up and and get Congress to realize that this is exactly why we're building what we're building. Um, because it, it takes away a lot of that power and, and makes all these things that we didn't know was going on at Alameda and, and FTX makes them transparent. So, um, it, it's a really, a really tough week for the industry. Um, FTX was a big player in the Solana ecosystem. They weren't, uh, probably for a year now. Uh, I think people are, are overblowing how, how, uh, actively involved they've been recently, but. There's some collateral damage there because SBF loved Solana, um, and there was actually a rumor at some point that uh, FTX was selling Sol tokens to prop up the price of the FTT token. So, uh, so you know, so that wouldn't collapse. Um, <clears throat> nevertheless, it was a crazy okay. week. Let me recap this though, because you're you're going down a whole rabbit hole it's, here. Big picture. You've got a exchange, which looks a little bit like a bank to an outsider and that they're holding deposits, yeah. is over levered. Yes. One of their competitors figures it out, uh, makes some moves to draw awareness to this. Yeah. Everyone suddenly wants their deposits back at the same time. It's effectively run on yeah. the bank. Uh, 
the company does not have everyone's deposits and has essentially filed for bankruptcy. Yep. And the issue is the guy at the top who may have to have no malice in this. It's not, it's not a case of theft as far as anyone can tell. It's just, you know, over levered, took too much risk, yeah. uh, was a figurehead in the industry. And now a lot of people are saying, wait, this guy doesn't, you know, no one in this industry can be trusted. Yeah. When the reality is it was a classic over leveraging. <laughs> so what does this mean? What does this mean for Bitcoin and Ethereum? Prices are yep. down. Uh, what does this mean for the industry a little longer term? Forget the Congress yeah. optics. They'll have to work through that. That's all in the come. But what are the implications of this? Because everyone's kind of hearing the story now, but what happens next? Uh, yeah, so I think it's uh, it's a bad thing overall. Um, you know, it's going to, it's definitely the people that were on the fringes that want to come into the space are definitely less enticed to do so now because these centralized exchanges are supposed to be sort of traditional ways people <clears throat> people interact with, uh, you know, saying, say, trading stocks and bonds and things like that. So they didn't have to deal with, uh, you know, the dirty world of DeFi or <clears throat> at least, uh, you know, try and dig around there. But uh, from a, a positive standpoint, I think it's good that we're washing out a lot of this bad leverage. And now we can actually focus on building things that are useful for the real world instead of this circular leverage cycle that we've gotten into. Uh, you know, it's all internal, right? None of this stuff is really financing any real world assets or uh, anything really super productive, uh, or at least the amount of money that's been built up in this space. It's all been uh, a lot of bad leverage. So if anything, I think this gives us a clean slate to start. Um, and now we just need to prove that this technology is worth its salt um, instead of just being a big casino for a lot of people. I appreciate that perspective. Um, the leverage ratios he had at this, are those regulated the way banks are regulated? <clears throat> or is that the issue here? We need some, this needs some adulting. Uh, Coinbase, the Coinbase CEO. Uh, Brian Armstrong came out um, and he made a good point, which was uh, a lack of regulatory clarity in the U.S. What it's done is it's pushed a lot of people offshore into these far less regulated uh, regions of the world. And this is creating some sort of systemic systemic risk, uh, you know, here in the U.S. So um, we're not immune to obviously things that go on overseas. Um so, yeah, I mean, it, I definitely think it, it hopefully it doesn't usher in a, a wave of regulation that's um, an overreaction to what has happened. Um, hopefully uh, we still have people that are a little bit more measured and understand what the space actually means, uh, you know, what it's trying to do, because I do think there's a tremendous amount of benefits that uh, that Congress should appreciate, like transparency. Right. You know. A lot of people talk about one thing is called proof of reserves. Uh, and what that does is you cryptographically prove uh, that every dollar you have in your in your account or in your business uh, is backed uh, by actual cash. Um, so there's a lot of things that are really, really interesting that could, uh, you know, potentially benefit uh, everybody. And, and hopefully those don't go underappreciated after this. More to come. We'll be watching this one. Thank you, Brett. Fong, all right. What are you going to teach us this week? Um, so this week, we're going to talk about marketplaces, which is fresh in my mind because we're actually building a couple of them with two of our incubator companies. 
Now, marketplaces are really great because they bring together buyers and sellers in a way that you know, can, can really quickly scale if they're executed right, right? And they also allow you to build product and service businesses without owning a ton of inventory or any at all or having a ton of employees. But marketplaces can be a little tricky because there are a lot of pieces to figure out. You know, obviously, you need a good product with a great user experience and all of that. That's important. But um, a great product is just table stakes. It's not the most important driver of the business. I think the most important part is really your ability to get boatloads and boatloads of people using your product. Um, and how do you do that? That's a big nut to crack. Um, in his book, The Cold Start Problem, Andrew Chen talks about some interesting strategies that some really well-known marketplaces use to build their base. And they did that by solving the cold start problem, which is basically kind of the dynamic that, that you know, in a marketplace, sellers will only come to your platform if there are a lot of buyers. And buyers will only come to your platform if there are a lot of sellers, but, but in the beginning, you have neither. So it's like a chicken or egg thing. So, um, you know, to solve this problem, here are three steps that you can think about. So uh, step number one is to figure out how to leverage network effects to build and grow your marketplace. So without network effects, you're not going to be able to, to grow your user base fast enough, and you're going to have to spend a ton on customer acquisition. Now, network effects is the idea that products get more valuable as more people use them. So you have to get that flywheel growing going? Like, how do you exponentially add people to your platform as more and more people join? Um, this is kind of, we can illustrate this by talking a little bit about Uber. So when Uber first started, there were only a few drivers. And so customers would get frustrated because they have to wait too long for a ride. Then they cancel their rides. Then they leave the platform. But the more drivers you add, the better experience the riders get, which allows them to gain more riders, which attracts more drivers. And that's the flywheel that you want to, to start building upon. Now, tip number two is to start small. Don't cast too wide of a net. So you start with small groups of people that are the basic unit of your, your marketplace, right? So it could be a geographic market or a college uh, campus, you know, if you're a Facebook or a functional group, if you're building a SaaS product. You use this user group and you test your product with them get tons and tons of feedback on their experience, use that to perfect your product. And then lastly, once you get this group to love your product, then you just add another, then another, and then another until you're growing your user base exponentially. Growing, growing kind of group by group is really effective because it allows for growth in a really dense and organic way. You, can, um, you really have a higher chance of viral growth because the user groups are in closer proximity to each other. So then you're able to attract new users as people see their friends and their coworkers and their colleagues using your service. And then they also join. So yeah, those are the three tips I have this week. Uh, big, big marketplace fan over here. Uh, the network effects you're talking about, not just make these companies accelerate in growth when it starts, when the flywheel starts, it, it, it's really hard to disrupt them. Once you, you know, you got companies out there that, in my opinion, have very outdated products. Take like an eBay. I think their interface is yeah. wildly outdated, yet no new players can really disrupt them because the marketplace is just so powerful. The network effect is so powerful. And what that translates to is not only a real moat, it's one of the strongest barriers in business. Uh, it's understood by investors. 
that this moat has real value. And so these companies tend to garner bigger multiples at exit. So if you get into a marketplace company or you start a marketplace company, the backend uh, value can be more uh, than if you do a different type of company. Uh, we had a, a gentleman named Fabrice Grinda, a friend of mine, uh, runs a VC firm, FJ Labs, uh, who is like a marketplace guru on this podcast. Uh, and he said a bunch of things similar to what you've said. Uh, for folks who are interested in marketplaces and going deeper, I recommend you go find that episode. We can probably link to it in the show notes. Uh, and listen to that question for you, Fong. Yeah. Chicken and egg, right? You're starting out a marketplace. You're, you're a cold start, right? You're at zero. Do you start with supply or demand? How do you get that going? What's, is there too much supply or too much demand at the beginning? How do you, how do you balance that? Yeah. I think that, you know, just in kind of that Uber example, how that shows is that you really want to concentrate on the supply side because that's what's going to attract your buyers, right? You kind of make sure you have a critical mass of, su- of supply and that attracts your buyers. And then the more buyers you get, you keep, then, then you'll keep adding more suppliers and then that'll attract more buyers. I think just really having that um, value prop in terms of what you're offering from, from, a, from a supply point of view is really important. I love that. I think that's dead on. One of the other pitfalls people hit is they'll do the supply first but they'll do a huge amount of supply. Take Uber. Imagine they get a million drivers on and have right. no riders. The drivers are going to defect. They're going to be unhappy with it. Exactly. So it's this little stepping stone. You're leveling up both sides kind of in sequence and in cadence. Um, there's a little bit of an That's art it. to it. Um, thank you for this. This is awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Awesome. Lively conversations today. Hope you enjoyed that. Stay tuned for another one next week.